Hey guys, so today you and I are going to talk about unit testing and coverage. So let's get into it. So the question in question was, Frederick, how would you migrate a large code base from having no unit tests to having plenty of unit tests? That's basically it. So how would you do that? And I think this is a great question. The short answer is that you need a coverage system. That's what you need. So for those of you who don't know this, there are quite a few coverage testers out there for different languages, which in essence is going to tell you what lines that you have covered with testing when you run a suite of unit tests. Now for this, just to keep things simple, I will use Jest as an example. Jest has a test coverage, Mocha has it as well, but usually when you use Mocha, you use something like Istanbul or something like that. Other languages have the same thing, like for Java and C Sharp and so forth. And the reason why this is useful is because test coverage just gives you an indicator that these lines have been executed in during a test suite pretty much. Now, the problem with this is that coverage does not mean quality. You see, what I could do in theory is that I could create a bunch of really cheap tests such as, oh, this function runs and my coverage would go up because I'm executing the function without necessarily asserting that something was working correctly with that function and the coverage will still be there. But when you are writing code for an extended period of time without any testing and then you're going to go and apply it in hindsight, it is very difficult for you to, well, pretty much it's very difficult for you to test this logic in a way that makes sense. Like you can do it and ideally when you do this you should start thinking about applying at least some basic tests for coverage but at the very least what you want is to get the coverage up so that the mental investment for people goes up because people, trust me on this, they actually get happy when they have a high coverage of tests, they feel secure in that and they also actually feel very happy when everything is green and they feel like, the, they, because it gives you a sensation of security and quality when you have a large coverage and you have quite a few unit tests helping you out, right? So that is the goal. Now the problem that you're gonna face here is that when you try to do this, you need to have a strategy for how to do this in an iterative manner. And, and I have done this exact thing for a very, very large company and a very large code base. And it worked, I would say, it worked really, really well. The big issue for you is going to get people to commit to this because commitment is always a tricky thing. People say that they are interested in doing things such as unit testing and brushing their teeth, but if you bend their arm, they can't skip it just because they have other things to do, right? But what you want to do is that you want to get that coverage tracker up and running, and then you want to set a minimum threshold. Now, the first day that you apply this, the minimum threshold should be set to whatever coverage you actually have. So you run your suite, you see what the coverage report states, that how many percentages you actually have in terms of coverage, and then you simply make, in easy world, just make that the first coverage, right? Set and done. So not, now that is registered as the minimum coverage that is required in order for you to, to ship something. 
And then you tie this into your build pipeline, your CI pipeline or something of that nature so that if somebody tries to push code that lowers this coverage, it will actually break the build for them. Now this is very important because you should at no point trust that your coworkers are committed to doing this because they will tell you that, oh yeah, sure, we're gonna do this and we're gonna write tests and we're gonna commit to this and they will still forget and they will skip things and they will do these sorts of things. Even you might do this at some point. This is why this has to be enforced at some type of choke point and the choke point is the CI build pipeline. That's what it's there, there to do. That's the job of this pipeline. So when you do that, it's going to break for quite a lot of people and you're going to force them to actually write coverage for at least their own testing. And this is the magic of this. You don't force people up front to write a bunch of tests because you could in theory set the coverage threshold to like 100% or whatever, like some outlandish number immediately. The problem with that is that then you have to write all of these tests the first day. And that's not what you're after. What you're after is to reach as close to 100% coverage over time. So you don't have to pay, pay that high of an investment up front. And you do that simply by setting that minimum. And then whenever and every, somebody wants to push their own code, at least their own code is going to get the coverage, even though you might still have old code that hasn't actually been updated with tests. Now lastly, what you want to do is that you need to track the mim the best minimum or like the you you want to have a storage system where you track the highest minimum that you have had historically all the time in between builds now why this is important is because some people will only write coverage or unit testing for their own code and some people will well they will actually be more helpful and they will actually go back and write coverage for old code so when they do something like that, the minimum coverage will actually go up a little bit. Now, the pro, the, and that's why you want to move the, you want, you want to move the, the cursor up, up to that minimum all the time because then you actually only gain coverage, you never lose coverage. If you don't do that, what's going to happen is that some people are going to do really, really well, and the coverage, coverage minimum is going to go up, and then some people are going to get sloppy, and it's going to go back down to the original minimum that you set. And that's not what you want. You want to improve things. So you need to store it in between builds. And when you do that, it is vital, and this is just a bonus point. You don't have to do this, but I'm just going to state right here and now that this is probably the way you want to do it. This is how because I had issues with this and, it, and I solved it in this fashion. An issue I have, and this usually happens also with bundle sizing or if you want to set size limits or something like that on JavaScript libraries, what's going to happen is that if everybody has the ability to very easily change the threshold, they will simply hit a wall, feel that, oh shit, this is difficult or like I, have, I don't have time to fix this and so forth, and then they will simply change the minimum number or the threshold to something that suits them and then push that. Basically nullifying the whole point of having this restriction, right? So what you want is to move the ability to change this minimum, this minimum, minimum threshold to someone who is responsible. Ideally, it should be somebody who feels a great sense of ownership, a tech lead or someone else like that so that at the very least the person who gets stressed because it's gonna happen it's gonna happen that someone's gonna come in and say shit i don't have we're gonna we have to ship this in an hour i don't have time to do all of these tests and like fix all of this stuff we, we need to just skip this for now and 
All you want is to stop them from doing that without justifying the reason as to why they're doing this, because you want to be sure that there's a good reason that this person is doing it. And that's very easily fixed by simply having one person who has the ability to do this, and or at least a few people, and then have the person explain to someone else that, oh, I need I have a very sharp deadline, I need to fix this. And as the person who is holding all the keys at this point, then you of course have to think about, all right, is this person actually right? Is it probably a good idea that we lower the threshold for now and then commit to fixing it later? Or is this person just being lazy? So what I want you to take away from this is that if you want to convert a, a code base that has almost no coverage to a code base that has quite a lot of coverage, the way to do this is number one, you need to have a coverage tracker of some sort. Number two, you need to set a minimum threshold that if so that if somebody commits new code to your build pipeline, it actually breaks if they go below the, the existing minimum. You need to track that existing minimum in between builds so that you actually increase it every time when somebody pushes more coverage than was already there. And lastly, you need to restrict the ability to change the minimum threshold to just a few people that you can trust. That way you will actually over time get better and better coverage and it's going to stay high or rather it's going to stay at a fairly decent level without going down all that much. Have a great day.